The talk of the town has been the Florida State Seminoles and whether or not they are going to be leaving the ACC eventually because they are not happy with the current financial situation in the league. To talk about it today, I brought on a special guest who knows a lot more about the situation than I do. His name is Chris, and he's from Sideline Sports Network, Spirit Addicts. How you doing, Chris? Pretty good, sir. How are you? I'm good, man. I appreciate you coming on my show. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me. So real quick, before we dive into the to the, to the the meat of this, man, tell my listeners and viewers where they can find you at. Yes, so uh, if you want to find any of my content, uh, you can go to at Spiratics, whether that be YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Uh, you can find everything that I do there. I also run um, a Florida State page for Sideline Sports Network on Twitter. So that would be um, SSN underscore Seminoles, and you'll find me. Awesome. I appreciate that. And uh, for those of you who are listening, it's at Spear Addicts, S-P-E-A-R-A-T-I-C-S. For those of you watching, it's up on the screen now and also scrolling at the bottom. So let's dive right in, man, and get to the juicy stuff. Uh, the comments last week from Michael Alford, the AD at Florida State, kind of has everybody talking about maybe the ACC is the next conference to, to you know, feel some problems and kind of feel the tremors of, of realignment, so to speak. And it's obvious Florida State is not happy. Now, Clemson's obviously not happy either. But from a Florida State perspective, man, uh, first off, were you surprised to hear those comments by, by Mr. Alford? Uh, to be completely honest with you, um, in a way, yes, I was surprised because I wasn't expecting him to do it technically uh, that day. Um, was I expecting it soon? Yes. Um, I've been talking about Florida State in a realignment for the past two years. Yeah, and we've all seen – I mean, there's been rumors out there. You know, matter of fact, as soon as Texas and Oklahoma announced they were leaving to the to the SEC, you know, rumors start flying. And, of course, the USC-UCLA thing happened, then it gets worse. So, I, I'm like you. I, was, I wasn't surprised that it happened because, you know, some of the rumors we were hearing were coming from pretty good sources, people that were, should be in the know, right? Yes, sir. But I was surprised that it was so public. That's what surprised me about it fact that they released that to the public because you know they had to give permission to release that which means they wanted people to hear it number one uh so yeah and you know most of these deals and these things always happen behind closed doors so i was really surprised to see that come out publicly that's what surprised me about it yes sir and you know today um around seven they had the acc town hall uh, which was with all the athletic directors in the acc um i don't know how public that one was made but I would imagine that was the, you know, the key focal of the conversation that happened tonight. Um, you know, kind of jumping right into this uh, so everyone knows, uh, I don't care if Florida State ends up in the SEC or if they end up in the Big Ten, um, but I will say that my full projection, everything that I have put together, everything that I have heard, um, I've got Florida State going to the Big Ten, um, and I also have predicted that that will be announced by 2025. So everybody knows who where, where I'm at with this. That's what I that's what I've projected, and uh, I'm sticking by that until I'm wrong. Right. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I was I was actually going to be my next question, so you beat me to it. I was going to ask you: Do you think it'll be soon, or do you think it'll be you know closer to that 2030 2031 date when all these these other TV contracts and stuff start coming out for bid again? But obviously, you think it's going to be much sooner than that. Yes, sir. And then the reason that I believe that it's much sooner is because I don't think that Florida State would have made this as public as they did if they didn't feel like their lawyers 
had found loopholes slash performance clauses in there from the ACC. Um, I've read over the grant of rights deal for the ACC probably seven or eight times now. And there are performance um, loopholes, so to say, in the contract that, you know, a, a really uh, good friend of mine, and she, she writes for Florida State all the time, and she had made a, a really good analogy that if she goes to this store and she buys a hairbrush and they charge her $35 for the hairbrush, but the store next door is charging five for that same hairbrush, then you're not getting the quality product that you were promised. So you're getting my, you're getting the goods, my money, but I'm not getting the, the equal, um, the equal amount of product. So uh, she, she did a really good job on putting that out there and it made perfect sense with what she said. Um, So my whole thing is, is that, I don't want to see Florida State leave the ACC, so to speak. I'm, I would rather the ACC to find a way to fix the situation. The problem is, is I don't see it. I don't see how they could. Um, I don't see why ESPN would step up and say, let's go ahead and renegotiate this situation. Uh, why would you? When no one in the ACC other than Florida State and Clemson and a little bit of Miami, do they project, project large enough numbers for you to pay a whole lot more? You know, you're, you're getting Florida State and Miami because this is what I keep hearing from Florida State fans and Miami fans and Clemson fans. Well, they're getting us at a bargain. That may be true, but does that bargain even out when you talk about the other schools that are, you know, what viewership they get? I still don't think ESPN is making a whole lot of money off of the ACC because uh, if they were, uh, we wouldn't see my pillow uh, commercials on the ACC network. I got you. Uh <clears throat> When you talk about the money, this obviously is a huge sticking point. And you said you you think there are quote unquote performance incentives or loopholes, whatever you want to call it, in in there. Um, what what about an unequal revenue sharing? Because I know that's kind of something offered. Would would that not be something that Florida State would live with if they if they put in something with an unequal revenue share or something like that? Or do you think that's not going to happen because the other schools will probably not allow it? So I've got two scenarios on that one. Um, I think that it would buy the ACC time with Florida State and Clemson, um, that they would stick around for a few more years, which only benefits Florida State and Clemson, to be honest, because, you know, the closer you get to that contract renewal, the cheaper it is to get out of the conference. But Florida State and Clemson are now going to start demanding more money now um, or finding a way to get more money now. Um but I don't think that the other schools are going to say, you know what, let's give Clemson, Florida State, Miami 3.5% more of, you know, take 3.5% from each other school and give it to these other three schools. I don't see any schools giving up the revenue that they've already got budgeted. They've, they've already budgeted how they're going to spend this. They've already budgeted why, you know, this, that, or the other. And then there's other things that fall into place other than just viewership. Uh, you, you've got things that, you know, these other ACC schools bring to the conference other than just viewership. Um, they've got better academics at some schools than, than Florida State does. Florida State's great. They're way up there. Mm-hmm. There are schools that are in the ACC that do a better job in fashions of that. But I do agree with Michael Offord 100% that Florida State can't go for the next, you know, 12 to 13 years um, losing or not being able to match $30 million per year of what your peers are going to be making. 
So Florida State, what's best for Florida State is is to get out of the conference. Um, but that comes with a large buyout price. Or it comes with how long are your lawyers going to keep the ACC in court until you come up with this amount of money? Or how much would you negotiate it down to and settle out of court for? All those things come into questions. But I think Florida State's more geared to that. I think that's the route that Florida State's going to go. Uh, they will end up, um, so to speak, challenging and or suing the ACC for the money and find the loopholes and play that out in court. And then that's why I believe in 2025 there will be an announcement that Florida State is entering into the Big Ten. Big Ten. Um, you know, the, the big thing is, is Florida State has to – they have to get the AAU membership. That has to happen. Um, I believe that they will. And this is the reason why I said that they were going into the Big Ten versus the SEC because mm-hmm. you do not have to be an AAU member to get into the SEC. Um, everything that we have done up to this point is proven that we're trying to become an AAU member. First off, you hire President McCullough, which was the president of Harvard, which was an AAU member. So he's very you know, endowed on how we become an AAU member. Then you hire Michael Alford, which at the time, before the commissioner was gone from the Big Ten, Michael Alford and the commissioner of the Big Ten were really good friends. Mm, okay. So those two things played a huge part in it. And then Florida State jumps up and announces that they're building this new medical research facility. Um, and then Florida State also has the largest magnet in the world uh, that they do research with um, already. And just to create more revenue as far as research goes to be an AAU member is when they decided they were going to build the uh, medical research facility. And then they topped it off with our engineering school, civil wise is going to jump into some real big in-depth research with seismic studies as far as engineering goes. So all of those things, I don't understand why Florida state would be doing those if they weren't trying to attract the AAU membership and also become a big 10 member. Makes sense to me, man. I mean, when you, you know, I'm, I'm, I got a buddy, uh, Mountaineer Paul, who also has a channel, but he and I talk all the time. Um, and I'm always talk. I love to read the tea leaves, man. I, I love doing that. I love trying to put puzzle pieces together and see what scenarios are going to happen. I don't always put that on my show because I don't want to do too much speculating, right, and guessing. But I do love to do those, go through those scenarios, and um, it's real fun to talk about. And sometimes I'll, you know, talk about it on here, but. And it sounds to me like when you read the tea leaves, you're absolutely right. It looks like the stars are aligning and everything's lining up for Florida State to get into the Big Ten. And, and I want to stay on that for a minute. When Kevin Warren, uh, right before he announced he was leaving, uh, it started coming out in the media that the presidents, the other presidents in the Big Ten, were not wanting to expand anymore, okay? That it was all basically Kevin Warren driving that because there was rumors out there that they were going to get Oregon and Washington and all this and you know, the Notre Dame stuff and, you know, you know what was out there. So what do you feel about that? Do you think those were uh, – that was just the fact that everybody, the Big Ten presidents were saying that because they didn't want Oregon and Washington? Or do you think they, that just because they didn't want to expand now doesn't mean they won't expand later? What do you, how, how do you read that? So the way that I took those exact reports that came out were – and, and we've done a really thing, a really cool thing um, together on putting on putting this together too. Um, believe it or not, Oregon and Washington 
don't benefit the Big Ten all that much. Uh, they do have viewership. They are key brands in football, you know, for past tense reasons and also Oregon just being the flashy brand that they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do bring the TV revenue, so to speak, to the table. Uh, but they don't really do much for their landscape as far as recruiting goes, as much as research goes, stuff to that nature. Right. Um, so the way that I took the reports that came out were is with adding the two teams that they just recently added, they weren't looking to add someone so soon right after that they were willing to sit for a year or two before they just started discussing um, adding any anyone else. The reason that I think the Big Ten looks – at Florida State, and I'm going to throw in who I think they pull with them, is Miami, is so that they get that Florida market. Right. Uh, it's the second largest t- television mar- – or third largest television market in the country. Um, and it, it, it's also going to allow the Big Ten to be considered a national conference, not no longer just Big Ten country. So right. that puts you over into uh, the southeast. So you're now you're in your enemy's territory, and you have taken two – key focal brands and add them to your, to the big 10. And what that does is now allows the big 10 to recruit better in the state of Florida. Uh, it gives them the television revenue that they're looking for. It also puts you in the, just the absolute backyard of all these sec teams that are in, you know, so close proximity. Uh, Alabama's not too far. Georgia's not too far. Uh, even the Mississippi schools, LSU's not too far. And the Big Ten country is now starting to do what they uh, – you're circling the SEC. So you become the largest brand. You already are the brand or the conference that is making the most money. Um, and when you add two brands that – you know, there's no secret that Florida State and Miami haven't done all that great in football over Florida State being the last five or six years, Miami being the last 20 years. I mean, right. we have to be honest. But – their brand holds so much weight that regardless of how bad Florida State is, if you were to take the numbers from from five years ago up till this point, Florida State would still land in the Big Ten at the number three uh, largest viewed, viewed team. If you put them in the SEC, they would also be the third largest viewed team. So regardless of how bad they're doing, everyone watches them. Everyone still watches regardless of how good or bad they are. Um, and the trajectory seems to be going in the right way. That's the biggest reason why I think Michael Alford did it now. We just came off of a 10-1 season for the first time in six years, and it looks like we're going to traject to do even better, if not the same, in the 2023 season. So while things are getting even better, you absolutely come out now and start letting other conferences know. Because as much as you're putting ACC on notice, you're letting the Big Ten and the SEC know, hey, we're here to talk. We're, you know, our our options are completely open. Let's have a conversation. Right. Hey, it all makes sense to me. What about another thing I've heard too, and I don't know how much you would know about this, you know, but I'm sure you hear talks about it, being an ACC country. I've, I've also heard North Carolina's name thrown out there, and I've heard Virginia's name thrown out. We all, you know, Virginia and North Carolina are two states that the Big Ten's also not in. Now, they're not the same. They're not as big a market as Florida. And they're not as, you know, those are not flashy brands when it comes to football, but they are both really good academic schools. North Carolina is one of the fastest growing states in the country right now. It's, you know, it's the flagship school of North Carolina. Virginia is the flagship school of Virginia. There again, the academics piece. Do you see those two schools also eventually coming to the Big Ten? 
Me personally, yes. I definitely on North Carolina. Um, I, I wouldn't even go as far as saying that North Carolina could be on that same time frame as Florida State and Miami. Um, I mean, I could see them being later on. But what it looks like to me is obviously you've heard numbers of times the Super Conference talk of, you know, it's going to be the Big Ten and it's going to be at the SEC. Um, you know, is 16 the number? Is 20 the number? Is 24 right. the number of how many schools that these two conferences are going to end up taking? I personally, as long as it continues to benefit the conferences, they're going to continue to grow it. I don't think it has a, a projected number like we're stopping at 20 right. or we're stopping at 16. If it makes sense to add to get to 22, 24, mm-hmm. then why not add it? If as long as it's making financial sense and it also, you know, embraces on everything that you're trying to do as building your conference, then you continue to grow it. If you continue to wait, you know, the Big Ten has the opportunity to pull the trigger now. The SEC still has the opportunity to pull the trigger now. It's the fact of, I don't think Florida State and Miami bring as much to the table for the SEC as they do for the Big Ten. Do I think that the SEC looks at this and goes, well, we're not just going to allow Florida State to go to the Big Ten. We're going to at least put in a bid on this. We're at least going to compensate. And that same goes for North Carolina and it goes for Virginia as well. I think that if, if Florida State and Miami leave the ACC, let's just say it starts off that way. The ACC is in dire trouble. Right. Uh, Clemson, you know, it looks to be on a downward trajectory. Doesn't mean that it is. Dabo Sweeney still Dabo Sweeney. But they aren't doing as well as they were four and five years ago. So let's just throw it out there. Clemson can't carry the ACC by themselves. If you lose two key programs, uh, whether it's Florida State, North Carolina, uh, Florida State, Miami, Miami, North Carolina, Whichever of those two or four that you lose, even Virginia, if you lose any of those schools, the ACC is on the downward trajectory of being a Pac-12. And I'm not making fun of the Pac-12. I'm just stating that the Pac-12 losing their two key uh, programs already, it's the same thing as if the ACC loses these. And it's it's just going to be a downward trajectory. And Mm -hmm. Me personally, I don't want to see any conference fold. But, you know, there was this big thing out there about APAC that the Pac-12 and the ACC would potentially merge together, uh, et cetera. I don't see how that works, uh, not just logistically, but how that would work in in a whole with the amount of teams that both conferences have. I don't see how you make that work with the money that either of them have, even if you combine it. It still doesn't equal to what the Big Ten or the SEC is doing. It doesn't even get close. 54 to 55 million is as much as they would go up to after the math that we did. Um, obviously, you know, that would traject into a new um, TV deal. But here's the thing. All these TV deals hold all of the conferences to what they can and can't do as well. They can't just go adding teams because they feel right. like it. So the Big Ten, they're, the, in my opinion, the smartest ones on this because they have a clause in their contract with their media rights is that they can add as, as they feel. Um, the SEC just changed that in their last TV deal that they can add as they feel. So, and I'm meaning by adding new schools to the conference. Right. And yeah, the big 12, uh, it's called a pro rata clause. I'm assuming is what you're talking about. Yes. That's what the big, the big 12 has one in their new deal too. Or it's not really a new deal. And there's just an expan- extension of the current deal, but it's in there. But the, the caveat to their deal, and I don't know if the big 10s is the same way, 
course, the big, the big, let's face it, you know, I'm a, I'm a Big 12 guy, but I'm a realist. The Big 10 is not getting any group of five schools tomorrow, okay? Uh, the Big 12 might, <laughs> you know, or the PAC might. But the pro rata clause in the Big 12's TV deal uh, doesn't allow for a group of five schools. It only kicks in if it's another Power 5 institution. And also, Fox's, you know, the Big 12's deal is with ESPN and Fox. ESPN is the primary rights holder. Well, ESPN is the only of the two parties that agreed to the pro rata. So if we bring in somebody else, they're only going to get two-thirds of the payout, which is about $20 million a year. Yep. It's, it's hard to bring in a Power 5 school for $20 million a year. Now, it doesn't mean Brett Yormark can't go out and renegotiate something else with Fox. If, if, if they have an opportunity to go grab two or three schools from the Pac-12, Fox may come back to the table and they might renegotiate, right? Especially uh, Fox is really hungry for, for good basketball content. And you bring somebody like an Arizona to the table, you know, that's going to be attractive if they go out and grab Gonzaga for basketball too. You know what I'm saying? There, so there are ways that the Big 12, if Brett Yormark uh, uses his creativity, which I think he will, uh, I think we got a, I think we made a home run higher with him, by the way. But if he's able to go out and, and put some deals together, that pro rata clause, yes, it's only for two-thirds, but who, it doesn't mean Fox can't eventually change their mind and come back to the table. You know, I don't think there's – you know, it's, it's going to have to be something very attractive for them to do that, I would imagine. They're not going to do it just for anything, but – I'm sure that they would you know, at least have the conversation. Do you know if the Big Ten's – so the Big Ten does have a pro rata clause, I'm assuming. Is that what you're saying? From everything that I've heard, I haven't personally seen the contract, but everything that I've been told, yes, um, they do. And, you know, I, I will say this, that the Big 12 definitely made a home run hire. And y'all, and what y'all did with hiring y'all's commissioner, what y'all done, even with um, when it comes down to y'all's admins of advisories, Y'all have some of the greatest advisories on y'all's board, and I'm not going to name people, but y'all have some of the best advisors on the board to create conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I mean by that is, is they're they're looking at every way to grow that conference outside of the box that you possibly can. And a lot of them are, are contract lawyers. A lot of them understand that contract better inside and out than even the one that wrote it, um, so to speak. So um, y'all, I think the Big Twelve ends up being the third. If they aren't, if they're not already, the third best conference that's out there as far as revenue goes, as far as growth, as far as game-wise, um, a, a big thing that I think that people are going to start looking at, you know, a lot of people are saying that they don't believe that live sports is ever going to go to streaming. I completely disagree. I completely believe that streaming is going to be the new way. We have Spectrum cable, but every bit of it, I have not one cable in my house. It's, it's an app, Spectrum Cable, mm-hmm. and every bit of that is streamed. So however you want to look at that, it's still being streamed. So they get streaming numbers on top of their cable numbers, and, and they're right. in a regular household. But, you know, Bally Sports is Bailey's, Bally's, whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. They're on the trajectory to file bankruptcy. Right. I heard about that today. But then they release, um, as of yesterday, they release a subscription-based model for fourteen ninety-five a year. And they're guaranteeing the Pac-12 and um, I forget who, what other conference it was, but they guarantee two conferences every game if they were subscribed to their uh, app. Supposedly, if the the number that they are projected to hit hit, they just save their company. So it's very possible that where Valley Sports is about to say we're bankrupt, they just save themselves with a subscription based model that supposedly X amount of million of people signed up for. And I don't know those numbers yet until they release them, 
but I believe that more and more of this is going to get to streaming based off of, I mean, let's be honest. We've got the XFL now. We've got the USFL. We've, you know, we've got more uh, Canadian, uh, the CFL is being viewed more in the United States than ever before. So no matter what time of the year or what day it is of the week, college football is starting to compete with some type of professional or semi-professional football. Mm -hmm. So best format is to stream it and have, you know, us the customer, which not great for us, but us the customer to buy a subscription, whether we watch it or not, they got their money. Yeah. So that's why I think that more people are going to go through the streaming subscription basis because regardless if you turn that on or not, they made their money. So it just to me right. makes sense. Ladies and gentlemen, Kuzas Corner is proud to be a member of the Big Skin Podcast Network. And with that, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Download the app now and sign up with code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, with code TPPN. Once again, that's code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. Um. And that's why I think a team – and West Virginia is one of those teams that would be right on the cusp of possibly getting left out if it does go to super conferences. I actually did a video on it a couple of days ago. Uh, and one of the reasons I think they could potentially land a spot is because of their fan base and how passionate they are. And when you look at their viewership on a secondary channel like ESPNU, ESPN2, channels that people don't normally flip to, right? It's channels that you don't find by accident. It's, uh, and some of those channels like ESPN2, for example, I mean, I had to upgrade my cable package just to get it. So, but West Virginia fans are willing to spend the money to add that cable package, which means they'll probably be willing to subscribe to that streaming service, whatever it is, whether it be ESPN Plus, whether, you know, down the road ends up being Amazon at some point, who knows. But I think that bodes well for the school, even though our fan base is not huge. We're like a top 32 in the country, I think, as far as fan base size. Uh, but, we're, but we're higher than that in TV viewership. We're like 27. So, I think that bodes well for us in the long run. If it, if they start going to like 24 or 32 teams in these conferences, I think West Virginia gets a seat. Now, if it goes to 20, we might not get a seat. You know, I don't know. A lot of well, it may I, depend on on how they – are they going to take some of these – here's here's what I, I'm curious about. Are they going to take some of these bottom feeder teams? And I don't that's, – that's a disrespectful word, but teams like Indiana, Vanderbilt, uh, some of these teams that don't really move the needle from a financial perspective, are they eventually going to – for lack of a better term, kick those teams out and bring in more attractive teams. You know, it, it, to me, that's an interesting conversation. And I was listening to 365 Sports the other day, and they had a former Fox Sports executive on, and he actually said he thinks that's coming eventually. What do you think I, about that? I personally agree 100%. Uh, you know, I will be completely honest with you. Um, West Virginia is probably one of the most underrated programs in the history of sports 
West Virginia's program, not just y'all's fan base, uh, but the university itself, uh, the way that y'all carry yourself, the way that you, the, the way that y'all put out product, so to speak, whether it be in athletics, academics, regardless of which one you look at, West Virginia is always performing at a higher trajectory year in and year out than they were the previous year. And they're already up there with mid to close top tier teams as far as academics and athletics. Me personally, when we added the Louisville, I was on the bandwagon of why are we not adding West Virginia to the ACC? Me personally, if you would have added West Virginia, it would have brought you more, um, so to speak, more revenue than adding the Louisville. And the reason I say that is because Louisville is a great basketball program, but West Virginia, to me, um, does well enough in basketball for it to matter, and they do well enough in football for it to absolutely matter as far as viewership goes. And when you get West Virginia, Virginia, you, you get so many because people don't realize that West Virginia's fan base is so scattered that you're actually getting – and we've looked at the trajectory on this right. as well. There are – over 30-some-odd thousand fans in the state of California that watch West Virginia football. And a lot of people don't know that. But you're talking about over 30,000 people that want to watch West Virginia play football. And then you go to Oregon, there's another 18,000. You go over to Montana, there's like twelve or 14,000. So West Virginia, to me, was the better fit for whomever was going to pick them up. I was so surprised that the ACC and the SEC, instead of the SEC adding Vanderbilt, which they've been there forever. But instead of having a Vanderbilt, West Virginia brings more to the table than Vanderbilt does. West Virginia brings more to the table than Rutgers does for the Big Ten, in my opinion, as far as if we're talking sports. Right, right. So I don't think that West Virginia get, continues to get left out. I think that there's an immediate um, source of entry for West Virginia in the next five to eight years, to be honest. I think that what y'all are doing and continue to doing is – it's on the trajectory that they have to add them because y'all have yet to decline in, I think it's been 40, 46 or 47 years. Y'all haven't declined even a half a point, and that's off of your entire university. So right. even the big schools can't say that. Even the right. Texas, they have declined 0.25. Um, Oklahoma's 0.75. So almost a full point of viewership later, West Virginia has done something but grown. Um, and sometimes grow at 13 point plus uh, 13 to 14 plus points per year. And that's really saying something. So y'all are gaining more of a fan base than ever before. And, you know, regardless of win or lose watching West Virginia football is exciting. Thank uh, Thanks for that, man. Cause I appreciate the respect, but you, you hit on something there and you got to realize we're in one of the worst four year stretches in program history right now. We haven't had four consecutive years of six wins or less. I mean, four years of six. We haven't had four consecutive years of six wins or less since the 1980 season or 1979 season. So since the Don Nealon era started, and we're on that, and we're in that right now. And of course, we have another fifth year. It'll be the worst in, in since the 70s because we had we did have a five year stretch in the 70s where we lost six or less games. But we're but but like you said, we haven't lost viewership because our fans love. We live and breathe it, man. That's all we got in this state. We don't have pro teams. We don't have but. You know, there's only one other FBS school in the league, uh, in the state, and that's Marshall. Uh, and you know, they they're they're a good school, nothing against Marshall, but they just don't have the fan base that West Virginia has. So, um, 
I, I, I agree with you. The problem is, do the TV executives and the, and the, the school presidents in these conferences, do they agree with it? That's, that's what worries me. I feel good with Gordon Gee at the helm because he's a very well-respected president. He's worked at a lot of institutions around the country, Ohio State, Vanderbilt, uh, Colorado. I mean, he, he knows a lot of people. And I'm, I think he, if, if any, problem is, though, he's 78 years old, so I'm not sure how much longer he'll be there. But as long as he's at the helm, and, I, you know, I like the AD hire we made with Ren Baker, I think he's going to be a superstar. I, I'm really, I really like our leadership right now and where we're going. You know, our academic numbers are what they are. West Virginia is a school who focuses on educating the youth of West Virginia. That's our focus. In order to do that, we have a really high acceptance rate, which hurts our scores. You know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, and it probably always will. So until somebody's willing to look past that and look at all the other good stuff we're doing, you know, we're our Carnegie R1 institution. We have a top-tier medical school, you know, you name it. Really good business school, really good, you know, all, all these schools uh, are putting out really quality graduates, man, and quality ed- giving a quality education. So hopefully at some point, you know, I'm hoping at some at some point maybe West Virginia gets an A gets AAU status, you know. Right. Uh, I don't know if they're moving in that direction, but I hope they do. I still don't know if the Big Ten would want us, but it would at least make us more attractive to other conferences too, because I think that's going to matter to other conferences as well down the road. Uh, SEC, I think, is if you look at the last couple of teams they've added, academic they've they've added some good academic schools these last couple uh, during this last couple rounds of expansion. So. I think the SEC might be starting to take a little harder look at academics. But what I like about West Virginia to the SEC is the fact it's a new market for the SEC. They're not in West Virginia. They're, you know, we carry a huge portion of the Pittsburgh market, believe it or not, because we're only 70 miles away. We have fans in Washington, D.C. We have fans in Charlotte. We have fans, like you said, all across the country. So I think West Virginia, and when you look at the culture of West Virginia, I think it's a perfect fit for the SEC. I mean, our, our fans are passionate. We sell out most of our games. Uh, you know, we're really active on social media because that matters now, believe it or not. That's something they're starting to look at more more uh, heavily is, you know, are, are, the, are the fan bases engaged on social media? They, I mean, that's it's, it's baffling what they're looking at now when they look at these schools. West Virginia's fan base is, is active on social media. Like I said, like you said earlier, we tune into games. We were fourth on the list in schools, you know, viewing on secondary channels behind you guys, Oregon, Washington, and there was one other one. Or no, that was we were fourth. We were behind you guys, Oregon, and Washington. Yep. We were number four on the list, yep. and uh, I felt like I thought, man, that's that's pretty good company to be in, in my opinion, because you've got three, what I'll say, you know, elite brands, man. When you look at elite brands, and West Virginia's right there with them on viewership, so I felt good about that, and I think it proves that West Virginia fans will tune in on these secondary channels. They'll stream games if they need to. They might complain about it. <laughs> I don't want to pay us ten dollars a month. This is bull crap. But they're going to do it because they don't want to miss that game on Saturday. Because I'm one of those guys. I upgraded mine to watch the games. And I will do it again tomorrow, you know. So uh, I, I think we'll I think we'll be okay in the end. Uh, and you know, if, like you said earlier, if the, the Big Twelve could end up being that number three conference, and if that's the case, maybe we just stay where we are, and we end up, you know, if the ACC does fall apart, we end up grabbing Virginia Tech, we end up grabbing Pitt, we end up grabbing if if they don't go to the Big Ten, we end up grabbing, you know, some of these other schools, the Wake Forest, the Georgia Techs, maybe, you know, who knows? But uh, oh, that's kind of what's that. Most definitely. That's kind of the scenario. I would. I don't want to see. I'm like you. I don't want to see conference collapse because I don't think that's good for the sport. But if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And if it does, I hope that uh, it puts my school, West Virginia, in, in the best possible possible situation. I mean, I'm not going to. I'm not going to apologize for that. I want what's best for my school, man. My my team. I say my school. I didn't go there, but they're my team. But uh, 
But you know, you, you, you see were, what I'm saying? Yes, sir. You, you, and you had made a, you know, a question statement there that you had stated, um, you know, that y'all have a high acceptance rate and it hurts your numbers and et cetera. Um, but the reason that you have a high, yes, y'all are about educating the youth of West Virginia. One, two, you have such a high acceptance rate due to where the money has to go and where the money needs to be. Uh, you know, everything, unfortunately, no matter what it is, it comes down to money spent, money earned. True. And y'all have such a high acceptance rate because you don't really have the, the, the other things to dump the money into other than accepting students. But the, what the president and TV executives and stuff are starting to notice about West Virginia is one, like you said on that graph, y'all fell forth to those other three, you know, key focal brands. Uh, so y'all being in that fourth spot, it's not like it's, it's not like taking fourth on a race. That that's a good four members to be in, you know, in cahoots with. And what TV executives and stuff started seeing with West Virginia, and there there's been contemplation. There's people talking about this. Um, what they see is, is well, what could West Virginia do with this money if you know if they were on tier with what the SEC gets or what the Big Ten gets? How could West Virginia, you know? exceed beyond expectation because look how they exceed with what they've got which you know let's say it's here but if we were giving them this you know how over the top could West Virginia right. go and it looks like with the leadership that y'all have put in place um and with the amount of fans it's it's great to have the fans from the old days it's great to have fans for you know 10 15 plus years but it's crazy to think that West Virginia, the same thing happened to Florida State because we've had a past five years, besides this previous one, past five years has been the worst we've had since the uh, early or late 60s. But for some reason, that brings new fans. I don't yeah. know what it's about the underdog, but with West Virginia going through what they're going through, it's got a lot of new fans coming to the table. They're like, well, I'm going to root for West Virginia because mm-hmm. – regardless of the games that they're losing or regardless of, um, you know, where they are in the, in the pony race here, they're, they're passionate. Their fan base doesn't, you know, stop rooting for them regardless of loss. They're, y'all show that passion over national television. You show it over social media. And here's the craziest part. I'm sure you've ran across, we all have them. We have delirious fans in every fan base mm-hmm. that just say the goofiest things in the world. Right. Oh yeah. Y- y'all's fan base as a whole Remind me a lot of Florida State's fan base and a lot of, um, um, is it, yeah, Michigan's fan base. They have more football knowledge than other fan bases and they talk with logic, they talk with sense, and they don't talk with bias. They honestly put out what they really believe is going to happen and what's taking place. And that attracts new fanship. It really does. Like when people talk like they have sense and they're not just saying it because they're biased it really brings on new fans. So I think West Virginia personally is doing something that even some of the bigger schools wish they were doing. And that's growing their brand in fanship and growing their brand in visual because the numbers don't lie. And y'all's numbers are being shown now to multiple people across the country because of these graphs that are being made and its facts. So everyone saw that same graph. And, you know, on three put it up and they were like, and even uh, J.D. Piquel, which runs uh, their show, he was like, right. 
what surprised me more out of this graph than anything, look at West Virginia. Look at what West Virginia is doing. And he said the same thing. They're on the downward tra trajectory right now. But look at the respect viewership that they get. So I don't think West Virginia has ever got anything to, to worry about of ever being left out, um, regardless of where this ever goes. Uh, I think West Virginia has made a brand for itself in a tier to stay. And whoever gets them is going to be lucky to have them in their conference. Uh, even if that's staying in the Big 12, um, it, it's worth it. And I think, like I said, I wish we would add a gel to the ACC back when we had the opportunity. Um, obviously, I'm a huge Bobby Bowden fan. Yeah. He was at West Virginia before he came to us. We love Bobby Bowden here, man. Well, Y'all well, did great respect. Uh, what they did to him was absolutely sinful, dude. Absolutely sinful. The fact they ran him out of town like they did, it was so wrong. But what's cool about Bobby Bowden is he didn't hold a grudge. Because he, he knew that was you know a select group of people. He didn't hold the whole state accountable. He didn't hold the university accountable. Because he knew it was just a bunch of you know delusional fans or whatever you want to call it. Um back in the day when that you know when all that happened yes sir. we love bobby bowden in west virginia man and if, if i don't if i remember correctly you, you probably know this in his last game he played a bowl game against us against we had bill stewart as our coach i don't remember the, i don't remember the bowl game but i do remember playing you guys uh did, did, did he request to play west virginia in that game because i heard that he did he did yeah i thought so because you guys he, were like six and six that year yep it was a down year for you guys and we yep. had a we won nine games or yeah we had won nine games Yep. So a lot of people were surprised that like why why is West Virginia playing a six and six? But it was because Bobby Bowden and him and him and Bill Stewart, I think, were also pretty close. Yep. Which probably made it even better. But I'll never forget that handshake at the end of the game between Bill Stewart and Bobby Bowden. It was a moment I'll never forget. Because even though and, and it makes it makes me and I, I'm sure I'm not the only West Virginia fan who feels this way, but it made me cheer for Florida State. And then of course when Jimbo was there, another West Virginia guy, I yep. cheered for Florida State. Um so you know there. You know, Clint Trickett was your quarterback, a West Virginia guy. I mean, of course, he ended up with us, but there's just so many connections there, man, and over the years. And it's made it's made me, Florida State – if I had to pick a favorite school in the in the ACC, it would be Florida State because of the Bobby Bowden, the Jimbo Fisher connection there. And I just had such admiration for that man and the way he carried himself, the way he ran a program. He was just a top-notch human being, and that made me – you know, and, and the fact that he was, had ties to West Virginia made it even better. Yes, sir, and I, I really um, – and every West Virginia fan that I've ever spoke to, they always bring up Coach Bowden to me, and if you don't watch it, we'll end up talking about Coach Bowden for two to three hours because right. of just, like you said, the human being that he was. Um, you know, he had a huge, huge love for West Virginia, uh, not just the state but also the university, obviously, coaching there, but – he had so many ties, and still, to to the day that he passed away, he still had so many ties to West Virginia. And, you know, a lot of people kept asking, Florida fans asked us a lot, what is y'all's connection with West Virginia? Y'all got stuff that goes back and forth. There's this cahoots, yeah. this connection, that connection. I'm like, man, Coach Bowden coached there before he came to Florida State. So uh, there's, the, there's one of the biggest connections. Then, like you said, Jimbo being the West Virginia guy, and they always showed respect to West Virginia because of, one, what y'all are doing, and, two, it's just a great state of hardworking blue collar. That's just what they are. Yeah. And you have to respect it. You have to fall in love with people that are that passionate. And West Virginia fans, just very passionate. So 
I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. If you have any other questions. Oh, man, um, I only have one more, and then I'll let you go. And i, I got to ask this. A few years back, I don't remember. I think it's when we hired – it may have been even when we hired Bill Stewart. I don't remember the exact timing of it. But I have a really – I have a, a a friend, acquaintance, whatever you want to call it, that I know really pretty well, and it's through my through my day job, who's personal friends with Jimbo Fisher. And there's also other rumors out there. But apparently, at one time, he was this close to leaving Florida State to come to West Virginia to be our head coach. And there, there was a disagreement between him and our administration on there was like a million dollar gap in what they were going to pay him or his coaching staff or something. It was there was like a million dollar gap between what he wanted and what they were willing to give him, and he basically told him to kick rocks. Uh, do you know about that, or can you confirm confirm that? I will say that that same rumor hit Florida State. I think that was two thousand and eleven. Okay, and I do know that. Jimbo tried to say that he was their visiting family and the truth came out that he was talking to the administration of West Virginia. So all assumptions on our side was that conversation happened. And the only reason he would, that he did not go to coach at West Virginia was due to the amount of money they couldn't come up to. So me personally, what I heard about it, yes, I would definitely say it's okay. confirmed that he was okay. supposed to go to West Virginia. And I don't and I appreciate you clarifying the time frame. And that would have been right when we were transitioning from Bill Stewart to Dana Holgerson. So maybe maybe the Jimbo thing didn't work. So they Dana Holgerson right. was the, maybe the next option. Uh, that, that that makes sense because Oliver Luck came in. He wanted he didn't think Bill Stewart was the guy that would lead us, you know, to conference championships in the Big Twelve. So he wanted to get somebody else in there. So that would make sense. And. Uh, and Jimbo was the he was the coach at West Virginia. Was he was he he was just the offensive coordinator at that time, right? Because Bowden was still the head coach. Oh no, right? so so I know exactly when you're talking about, and that's that's 09. Um, that's when the conversation started. And what I was saying was is they confirmed in 2011. Oh, okay. Got it. I thought you meant the conversation happened. With, okay. Yeah, and I and I said that a little bit in mixtures, but yes, he was the head coach in waiting at Florida State, and he he did that was in 09. Okay. So that was when that was before they hired Bill Stewart then. Yep. In the 09, right before the 2010 spring okay. started. Makes sense. Stewart was already there, but you know, they might have been looking to go a different direction at that yeah. already. Okay. That makes sense. And I appreciate you uh I wanted to hear it from somebody because I, I was wondering if the same rumor was in, you know in Florida State circles as well. Yes, sir. But anyway, listen, man, uh one more one more time, where can everybody find you at? Um, so if you want to find any of my content, you can look up at Spear Addicts, um, which is S-P-E-A-R-A-T-I-C-S. You can find me on YouTube, Instagram, or Twitter with those handles. And um, we do Florida State content uh, every day. And uh, biggest thing that's coming up is March 15th. We are interviewing uh, the man of the hour, Michael Alford. That'll be great. So everybody, everybody be be looking out for that interview over on his YouTube. I'm assuming it'll be on your YouTube channel. Yes, sir. So everybody be looking out for that interview with Alford. Maybe he'll be able to, maybe he'll give us some more juicy, juicy uh, details about their plans and what they're unhappy about and what they're looking to do going forward. Uh, Chris, it's been a pleasure, man. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I'm glad we were able to finally get our schedules together and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Yes, sir. You have a great evening. You too.